Welcome to episode 11 of Invest and Scale. And in this episode, we have Vicencio Villamena, CPA and founder of Online Taxman. He has extensive experience in both tax preparation and advising clients in accounting and financial transactions. I know accounting and taxes is not the most exciting topic, but in this episode, we get to share a few creative things that Vicencio is doing with his clients, some common questions about different tax structures, so with that, enjoy this episode. Hey, Vincentio, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So I'm excited to talk to you. I think uh, we are in a couple groups together. We are in the DC community and also the uh, enrollment trainings. For you guys listening, this is not tax or any legal advice, just a disclaimer, but we're going to be covering some really cool topics in here. So before we do that, I'd love to get some context and chat about why you started doing what you're doing now and what is it that you do with the clients that you work with? Sure. So, I mean, I, I'm a licensed CPA. So I sort of started in the corporate rat race uh, in New York at PricewaterhouseCoopers. And then about 10 years ago, really started my own firm and, you know, now I'm a partner and a bunch of employees. But we focus on you know, entrepreneurs, especially a lot of people with foreign situations, right? So like Americans living abroad, foreigners that are coming in investing in the United States, sort of like the offshore structuring and tax optimization. And then also what comes with that, of course, is like the M&A, sort of people that are looking to sell or buy businesses and so on and so forth. You say you've been doing that for 10 years and there's two brands. So there's Global Expert Advisors and this online tax. I mean, is that correct? Yeah, exactly. So Global Expert Advisors is sort of like the the higher end, sort of the, the smartest stuff as far as like doing the structuring, et cetera. And then Online Taxman is our online tax preparation services, you know, which makes it easy for people to file with us. And that's mostly focused on people that are living abroad. Yeah. Yeah. So there's typically taxes, there's all kind of implications and there's all the, it depends, what if, and there's very unique for each type of individual or corporation. But here in the show, like we really want to showcase professionals like you that help buyers of any any online assets. So, do you have any preference in terms of uh, legal structures or any recommendation that you've seen that are kind of like trending for investors in digital assets these days? Yeah, I mean, I think it it really depends. So, first off, just to back up, there's sort of two different types of of mergers, right? So, you have sort of asset sales and stock sales, right? And the difference being when you're going to buy a, a company and you're just acquiring the stock, right? You have an LLC, for example, or C-Corp. I'm another company. I'm saying, okay, I'm going to buy your whole company. Right? I'm going to acquire the stock from you, okay? The advantage, or I should say the disadvantage from a buyer is if I buy your company, your stock, I'm also maybe going to buy any potential liabilities or litigation you know, that might not even happen yet because if, if something were to happen, they're going to hold your company liable. So then the other side of it that's more preferable for, for buyers is an asset sale. An asset sale is basically what it sounds like. So I'm rather than buying your stock, I'm just buying your asset, right? And so regardless of what happens with your company or any sort of liability that it has, I'm literally just buying that digital asset, as you said, right? And so for me as a buyer, that's safer. But it really depends as far as any sort of considerations. I mean, you know, there's a lot of ways to structure these sort of deals, even what we've sort of been doing together in, in Roland Fraser's class and whatever. I mean, there's, you know, from a financing standpoint, if you're going to 
doing earn out and buy over time is like an installment purchase or installment sale, then the seller's going to recognize that income, not in all in one year, but over time. So let's say you want to spread out payments, which is A, easier for the buyer, but B, the seller, let's say the deal is $300,000, right? Rather than sort of receive that 300 all up front, you're doing it over three years at 100K each. What that means is that at 100K each year, you're going to be in a lower tax bracket and you're going to be taxed less on that sale than if you were to just recognize in year one and sell it for 300,000 and be at a higher tax bracket. This is sort of the basic stuff, right? The more advanced side of it is how you might structure it if let's say you don't live in the United States, right? So you, you know about Puerto Rico and if you were to qualify under Act 60, what was formerly Act 2022, if you're in Puerto Rico, and you, this, this applies to someone who's just buying and trading stocks or crypto, or we're talking about which selling a company. For the time that you spend as a Puerto Rican resident, whatever capital gain on that company is tax-free as a Puerto Rican resident, right? So for an example, let's say I, again, I sell the same company for, for 300000 My first year, I'm living in the United States, but then year two, I moved to Puerto Rico, and then I sell in year three, right? So what that means is basically two out of the three-year whole period, I was in Puerto Rico. And then one year I was in the States. So what happens to that capital gain is that two thirds of that capital gain, right, which is two out of three years, is excluded under Act 60. And so first off, Puerto Rico is by far the best way for for an American person to save on uh, capital gains taxes. I mean, no matter how you slice it, people could do sort of offshore structures and this and that, and that will um, help them, you know, reduce their effective tax rate from like ordinary income, from money that you're earning in the business and there's stuff like the foreign earned income exclusion, which, you know, people could earn $100,000 salary tax-free. But when it comes to buying and selling a business, your capital gains tax rate is, is zero if it's in Puerto Rico. But if anywhere else, if you're an American, unless you're doing, you know, things where you're sort of like putting assets in the name of a foreigner and really getting funky, Puerto Rico is the best bet for really sort of avoiding the capital gains tax altogether. So on that example you're talking about, let's say if somebody that builds website and they sell websites, that's quote unquote a service agency that builds websites and they offer a service for 50, hundred K that transaction is going to be counted as revenue, correct? But right. if they were to sell a site that they build and they hold and they go through a typical transaction, that's going to be capital gain. So the question is, if instead of someone wanting to sell a website, can they position that where they say, we're just selling you this website and we just, we want to get this as a revenue to our company. We want to keep our company. Is that even possible? That's a fair question. That's, that's, that's like tax 102, man. We're already, we're already next level on the, on the discussion here. <laughs> so that is called dealer inventory, right? So if you're in the business of buying and selling things, right? If you're in the business of buying and selling websites or buying and selling property, then it's not considered like the capital gains. So you're not doing like long-term capital gain treatment or short, you're doing, it is considered what's known as ordinary income or, or, or regular revenue because the fact is that is your business, right? You're not building a site and this is the site and, and you know, after years you end up selling it. No, like you're, you're in the business of buying and selling sites like any other inventory, like widgets or Amazon stuff or whatever, that's your business. And so that is considered, yeah, what's known as like ordinary income and ordinary revenue. So that's sort of, yeah, what people have to sort of think about if they're going in that direction is, sir, okay, well, is this really capital gain or is this what, yeah, like I said, what's known as sort of dealer inventory, if you will. And that's the kind of services that you guys are global expert advisors. Is that kind of the structures that you help with? Like right now, like for example, right now I have a case that I know that I like not talk to a, 
<laughs> my accountant about this. They don't get these things. And, or there's an advisor here in Louisiana that he's been on mergers and acquisition for the past 25 years. And last year, before I worked with F International, I, I asked him about my company. He's like, you don't have any physical assets and you cannot sell your company. And I'm like, right. no, thank you. It's like scary to hear those yeah. people. So Yeah, no, listen, I mean, the problem is you know, when you dabble in sort of like the international side, right, it's, it's a whole new ballgame, right? And, and so a lot of like, you know, really good local accountants or accountants that maybe specialize in one thing aren't specialized in, in the international side and sort of like the structuring side of these type of deals. And so yeah, anytime you're looking at it, you have some sort of level of niche, you know, whether it's a type of business or a niche situation like moving to Puerto Rico or moving internationally, yeah, you really do want to consult somebody who's experienced in that, in that regard. And so, yeah, I mean, that's the sort of stuff we do. Because the other thing is, if you do dealer inventory, and that's the business of buying and selling, then you can you can't do a, an offshore structure where, yeah, that, that's all revenue, and that gets down to like the 10.5% effective tax rate. So it's just, it's all about sort of, what, how you qualify, every situation is different. There's definitely not any sort of cookie cutter solutions when it comes to taxes. And uh, you just need to make sure you're sort of talking to the right people and, and betting the right people. Yeah. And when you talk about that, of course, you're a service provider, you, you have this uh, different solutions and services. What would it be your recommendation for people looking to either hire somebody like you or hire you before they go ahead and engage with an advisor? I think a lot of it has to do with really, I mean, listen, it's good to do your homework, right? It's good to sort of do some research on things. But at the same time, Google could be your best friend or your worst enemy right? And it's good to sort of be, listen, it's good to have questions down. It's good to know some, do some preliminary homework. Like that's great. I mean, you really should, especially if you're going to talk to uh, an advisor, but no one can rely on Google for everything. And you want to really sort of clarify a lot of these concepts because a lot of people come to me with like, oh, I read your blog article, this or that. And it's like, well, you know, that doesn't apply to your situation because of uh, X, Y, and Z. And listen, I mean, I think it's always good to bet a few advisors, really understand their services, sort of compare apples to apples, what they're offering. And uh, yeah, and then of course, if possible, get some referrals from people, right? I mean, people find me all the time. I mean, the best obviously compliment for us is, is a referral, right? Because it knows we're doing a good job and, and people do like to give referrals. But yeah, I mean, listen, it's important to do like due diligence and make sure who you're working with is trustworthy, transparent, and you know, just has integrity, really. You, you used to work, like you mentioned, and kind of like more of a corporate environment and mergers and acquisition. And now there's this whole booming on more people selling websites or internet-based companies. And there's like this small segment of the market that private equity is not playing in there yet. So have you seen any main trends or anything that is benefiting you guys in like kind of like the lack of sophistication from this fire? The latest couple of years, it's definitely been on the trend of like Amazon businesses, right? And people sort of got in really early and sort of exited as Amazon's grown and they've sort of started, I don't want to say copying, but they sort of started like, you know, they see the best sellers and they sort of end up competing with them. And just having Amazon sort of be in control people's customer flow. So anyway, so Amazon's sort of been a good one, a big one as far as buying and selling. Yeah, I mean, digital assets, right? So like, People that are buying and selling websites to Empire Flippers and some of these other guys and yeah, that, that are making money off of like the Google ads and, and all that. I think those are the biggest trends. And I think, as you, you said, I mean, there's still not a lot of uh, transparency in the market. I think that 
You look at private equity and all this, the traditional form or the traditional investors, you know, they don't really understand that asset class as much, which is good for people that know what they're doing, right? I mean, I think there's certainly a lot of like value add that people could do if you're really good at online marketing and, and, and digital marketing and whatnot. But it's still, in a lot of sense, it's kind of like the wild, wild west. And like I said, I mean, that could be a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, it could be bad because people could get burned. But if you really know what you're doing and listen, everything that we do in this life, it's a learning process, right? Whether it's in business, relationships, if you're not learning from something, then honestly, then you're just kind of being stupid because that's what life is about, right? And uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I think you, you, you probably learn stuff from your acquisition, your sale, like it's the same thing. I mean, even what we're doing, like in some of these classes we take together, the forums, it's like just, just learn and figure it out. And it is important to, to get good advisors, whether it's like lawyers or accountants or even a mentor, the bigger companies, people have like a board of directors and this and that, but even on the smaller level, having a mentor, or even if it's paying for somebody's time and advice, it works out in the end. I mean, there's like a saying, it's like, you know, don't be uh, penny wise and, and dollar foolish. You know what I mean? Like if, if when it comes to like, you know, big things, you should really get the help uh, you need. Yeah. Can you expand on the different ways that people can work with you. I know you have on, on your website, you have a schedule of consultations. So it seems like the, the process, it's, it's pretty simple to get started working with you guys. But anything that you advise people to turn to make yeah. a decision with that? Basically how we work is, well, it, it sort of depends on what people come to us with. I mean, there's sort of, if people need tax help, we do give like a free consultation. And that's really more like the tax side. And generally that's with our team of accountants. And that is to sort of help people that, uh, yeah, for, for people to get to know us, and then we also get to know their situation, and then we quote a fixed fee for, for doing the tax work, right? So that's sort of one segment of we do that's via online tax man. The other, the other side of it is with um, Global Expat Advisors is these are people that they generally have some sort of idea of what they want to do, or they want to go into like the structuring side, and that's a little more of a deeper dive. It's a little more complicated. And that is a paid consultation, right? So it's $300 an hour. But what it is really is it's sort of to ask the questions. And a lot of people do come very prepared to those meetings because A, you know, when you pay for something, you really want to get more out of it, which is better for both sides. B, even that paid consultation, we use it as sort of a credit towards any future work. So it's also just sort of, hey, you're making a commitment to us. And like I said, people are more um, prepared for those meetings. And that's where we get into sort of like this offshore structuring, M&A structuring, helping like set up self-directed IRAs, the Puerto Rico stuff, so on and so forth. So those are sort of the two ways. But to answer your original question, I mean, we come in a, a lot of times, people, they might live in the States, but they have like foreign investor investments, or they're trying to figure out some other sort of asset protection plan. And they've been with their account for 30 years, and they just want to figure out this foreign piece. And we come in and we just work with them on the foreign stuff, right? And at the end of the day, we give their accountants the forms for their accountants to file. So they get to sort of leverage both expertise, which for some people is great, right? Because then they have sort of two sets of advisors to, yeah, to leverage in those situations. Other people just kind of prefer everything under one roof. And obviously, they just work with us too. So it's, it's a matter of preference. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. So shifting gears in here. So you specialize in taxes and you have all these different kind of clients all over and all really cool different setups and whatnot. So have you seen any common mistakes for people buying websites or buying businesses that people are either not taking advantage of things and you see over and over again the same thing or? 
I think that one thing is sort of getting the right structure in place, right? So there's basically three types of structures, right? So one is an LLC, one is an S-Corp, and then one is a C-Corp, right? If somebody is an LLC, then there's no real quote-unquote tax advantage for an LLC. You're sort of formalizing the business, but you're still going to pay full income tax and full sort of self-employment tax, uh, Social Security, Medicare. The next step is what's known as like an S-Corp. An S-Corp is an LLC that actually gets converted to an S-Corp. And the reason for that is that you do save on some of these self-employment Medicare tax. You save roughly 15% on that. In order to do that, you really want to be a little more advanced, right? I mean, meaning you want to be earning at least roughly forty to 50000 net on your, on your business, right? And then you sort of have to take partially a salary and then partially it's distributions. And that's sort of how you save on the uh, self-employment. Then the third is, uh, is a C-Corp. I mean, if, if somebody's looking to, to fundraise or maybe they have foreign investors, et cetera, then a, a C-Corp will be better. The problem with the C-Corp, it's, it's, it's essentially double taxation. So it's sort of tax at the corporation level. And then when you take money out of the company in terms of dividends or salary, et cetera, then that's also taxed. So it might not be the most optimal tax structure, but again, if you're sort of fundraising or whatnot, then, then a lot of funds and foreign investors prefer C-Corp. And then again, if you're living abroad or want to live abroad, then, then you, you have another level of, of options, right? I mean, again, you can move to Puerto Rico and do the Puerto Rican uh, thing. You could live abroad and, and, and set up a, a foreign offshore company in Hong Kong or, or Singapore or, or one of these other attractive jurisdictions. And so, yeah, I do think that people... Everyone sort of gets really excited when they buy a business, right? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Like, I'm going to market this. And like, I got all these mark online marketing skills. I'm just going to like tons of lists. And like, they're just trying to play offense on everything. And, and then they don't think about the defense, right? The tax savings and, and trying to, you know, cut costs or save money on taxes is really defense. And, you know, defense wins championships. And that's, that's something that sort of people just forget a little bit when they, when they go on these this sort of proactive, hey, I'm going to buy a business and, and market it and, and increase revenues. Yeah, it's exciting to acquire a business, but you got to definitely be careful, especially like you're saying, if you're doing a stock purchase, because then you're, you're going to have a pretty large bill when it comes to taxes if you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I mean, you got to think through these things. And, th and the problem is, is that taxes aren't sexy. I mean, a lot of people hate taxes, right? So it's sort of like a very scary thing for them to think about. And, and so they sort of, you know, improperly ignore that side of it, as opposed to at least embracing it and working with the right advisor to figure out the solution. Yeah, we mentioned uh, Puerto Rico. So there's 20 Act 22 and now uh, Act 60. Is there any big change or things still in progress when it comes to the decrease? Yeah, I mean, the good thing is, right, they sort of made Act 60, let's call it like a more permanent fixture as far as in the legislation. And it did do some increases as far as that the donation being 10000 you know, as far as purchasing a home in Puerto Rico, as far as having to get one employee if your, your sales are over a certain threshold, your revenue is. So, you know, they, I mean, I think they sort of solidified that. I think that Puerto Rico is a great, a great place for people that want to save, especially on capital gains. I think, I think it's also it depends on what your quality of life is or what you want to do, right? I mean, some people like Puerto Rico and don't like living there and are cool sort of doing half the time in Puerto Rico, half the time in the U.S. Some people get a, like a little bit of a cabin fever in an island that's that, that small and they, they want to sort of do the, the expat life and live abroad. So I think, like I said, I mean, Puerto Rico for capital gains is, is clearly the best. And, and I do see 
the the tax incentive staying. I mean, I think the big question is what that sort of does for the the, the territory itself that is a question, right? Because that place has a lot more problems than just the the tax stuff, right? With like potentially defaulting on debt and just some of the unemployment. I mean, yeah, they have some some systemic problems that I don't know if the actual six is going to address or not. But listen, I mean, as far as like the talent of the entrepreneurs that moved down there for the for, for Act 60. I mean, some of the people I met, I mean, some of the smartest people I've, I've really like interacted with on like an entrepreneurial level were down there. So like that part is cool. Yeah, we'll see sort of how things work out uh, long-term with the whole Act 60 though. Yeah, totally. And I think that now shifting gears here in the podcast, I think is the tax planning goes hand in hand with your lifestyle designing, yeah. right? Is that some of the question that you got to ask when you own a business, when you either want to sell your company or like in this case, if, if you guys listening are planning to buy multiple online businesses, the whole notion of the four hour war week or owning these assets and traveling the world, it's really all about lifestyle design, right? Yeah. I mean, I think too, it's like, it's first off, I don't think anyone should move to a place just for taxes. I mean, you want to make sure you like the place. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, I think happiness is way, way more um, important than sort of what your bottom line is. And they even studies show that like, there's, there's only like a certain threshold. I think it's only, I mean, this is like in the US, but I think it's only like once you hit like 60 or 70, 80K, like that your happiness sort of plateaus when it comes to uh, money, right? So you do want to make sure you're, you're sort of happy or, or, or at least if you're saving money that it's going to, allow you to do the things that you want to do to make you happy, right? And uh, listen, I mean, to your point, like Puerto Rico is good for people that want to save on taxes, but it's also, yeah, quality of life, right? What, what culture sort of feels that, that, that really draws you and, and also cost of living, right? I mean, Puerto Rico is not like cheap. It's not like expensive. I wouldn't say it's like New York or, or expensive, but I mean, you're from Louisiana. It's probably like Louisiana expensive. You know what I mean? It's right. not like- It is. It's not- it's not like, uh, I mean, I, I live in most of South America, so like Argentina, Brazil, Colombia. And people ask me, oh, like, are you doing, you know, are you, are you doing the Puerto Rico thing? And I'm like, no, like, I just, I like Puerto Rico to visit. Like I said, the people there are awesome, especially the Act 60 people, but I found my heart in, uh, in South America. You know what I mean? And so, like, that's my vibe. And I think that's, people search decades to find that. You know what I mean? And so, I think that's sort of like, what people should be looking for. And then if they're able to save tax to do the structure, that's what icing on the cake. Yeah, you mentioned Colombia, right? Like there's a, a good group of people moving down there these days. Yeah. No, man, Colombia's, Colombia's, man, Colombia's moving up. I mean, I, I first got to Medellin back in like 20, 2012 when I was like the only gringo, like all, walking on the streets and <laughs> people were really like, what are you doing here? And you're like, I felt like I was like a celebrity, you know? for us <laughs> like, Literally nice. taking photos of me. You don't get that anymore, but that's cool. Like, I mean, it's honestly beautiful to see a city come up like Medellin has. I mean, especially my time in, in, in Brazil and Argentina were very different, meaning that you saw like the economies just crash and burn. So to sort of see Colombia come up has been, uh, yeah, it's been a real treat, man. I mean, those people are really, the Pisces, like the people from Medellin, really hardworking, very nice, caring, just good hearted people. So it's good to see sort of uh, that city do well, especially what's happened in the 90s and the narco stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm definitely getting ready as soon as they open back the borders. I'm flying down there to Medellin. So if you're down there, yeah, definitely. I'll see you there. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's, so I want to also make a comment that even though we're, we're talking lightly about these things and it makes sense like strategies that are either more advanced or whatnot, I think this is, it's relevant that we talk about why this tax optimization, like you say, 
setting the defense. It's not only going all offense mode and trying to do all this this magic on the front end, but also on the back end, making sure that you are protected and that you are doing the right things and really maximizing your, your net profits. But I wanted just to touch base on like, this is stuff that the big corporations are doing. And, and I know some people think they're evil and whatnot, but really it's just finding efficiency. And a lot of these corporations are doing it very efficiently and they get to yeah. do more good for the world and for the technologies that now we get to enjoy because those efficiencies in international structures and all kinds of different things, right? It's, and it is sort of following what the, what the bigger companies are doing. So to give you sort of the background, really, prior to, 20, to December 14, 2017, right, when Trump uh, did pass the, the uh, Tax Cutting Jobs Act, his tax plan, you had the Googles and Apples of the world that sort of were able to keep all this millions, hundreds of millions of dollars offshore. And we were doing it, and other entrepreneurs were setting it up for people to have this sort of level of, of tax deferral. So that as long as the money stays offshore and all the, the company is essentially managed from offshore, so like the owners can't be in the United States, living in the United States, et cetera, yeah, you'd get that money tax deferred. And then the Trump tax plan sort of did what's known as a transition tax, which basically means that these companies and these entrepreneurs would, would have to pay 15% on all those corporate profits that they weren't paying tax on. And so all these companies ended up moving the money back to the United States, which again, in a sense was good because then they could sort of invest uh, domestically and whatnot. And so he changed, or that, that plan changed the scope of, 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 of offshore structuring as we know it. So now the best way to hold an offshore company, again, that's managed from outside the United States, everything's abroad, is by owning it via like a C-Corp, which is like a holding structure. And again, that's very similar to what Google and Apple is, which is they're all C-Corps that have investors and are trading in the public markets. And then they have these offshore uh, subsidiaries below them. And so you can sort of see whether it's the lobbyist or, or whoever sort of under the new tr- plan able to sort of have these big companies pivot so they could, again, enjoy a tax savings. Now it's roughly 10.5% of all the income of these foreign uh, subsidiaries subject to, yeah, 10, 10.5% uh, U.S. effective tax rates. So compared, compared to what? Typically, would it be like 40%? Yeah. So typically, so a C-Corp is taxed at, at 21%. So the 10.5% is actually half of that. And then if it's uh, an LLC or, or an S-Corp, which is sort of like a flow-through, which means it flows through to your personal return, and then that could be taxed upwards of like 39%. And so, yeah. So again, I mean, it sort of, it, it cut the, the, the corporation's tax rate in half by doing that. And there were some other sort of features of that tax code and jobs act. So like U.S. companies that are outsourcing services or technology to foreign companies, their tax rate is 13%. So it really, yeah, I mean, it was a major change. Let's call it like that. I mean, it was a major overhaul. Honestly, it took, it took me and my team months to plow through that code and, and go through all that stuff. That was really intense, honestly. But again, I mean, this is sort of how things, the dynamics change and, and, and people just have to sort of be on their game a bit or hire the right advisors to study this and sort of be aware of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. You I know? cannot imagine like how probably was a you know, huge, you know, huge. You don't want to imagine, man. It was a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I don't wish that on my worst enemy. <laughs> the type of study that I had to do. Yeah, my my <laughs> that's crazy. Before we wrap up, you touched base on on a couple of the structures. Are there any main recommendations for people, investors here in the U.S. that want to set up 
either like you mentioned, an S corp, LLC, or a C corp. They want to operate, and their whole game is 15 years from now. It's buying and operating websites and then selling those to so somebody again in that. It kind of like a mini private equity thing. So any recommendation for a structure like that? Yeah. So, I mean, if you're in the United States and you're sort of buying and selling assets, you probably want to do an S-Corp. The other uh, interesting investment structure is called the self-directed IRA. Now, what a self-directed IRA, it is basically the ability to invest in private equity deals, et cetera, right? So basically you use your IRA, right? And how IRAs stand now is you have investment options within like the public markets. So stocks, mutual funds, index funds, so on and so forth, right? That's sort of how IRAs work, both Roth and and traditional. But however, you can um, make your IRA what's known as a self-directed IRA, which is sort of also known as a checkbook IRA. What that means is that you could use your IRA funds to invest in things like real estate, you know, things like private equity funds, or even sort of like digital assets, crypto or websites, etc. And so what we see a lot of people doing is if they yeah, know what they're doing in, in, in certain spaces, they'd rather sort of, you know, put the money in their own hands and uh, invest in things that they know better than in the public market where you have less control. So it's a really good investment vehicle. I mean, that being said, there's also like a lot of, um, stipulation behind it, right? Meaning that you, there's a lot of rules, right? So stuff like you invite an investment property with your IRA, you can't, you can't live in that property and you can't stay there or you really technically can't even do any like the renovation work, etc. So there's no, what's known as self-dealing or self-benefiting from these IRAs. You can't invest in your own business. You can't, let's say, buy a house that you already own with your IRA. I mean, so there's, people have to sort of step lightly around that. But I think people that are know a lot about digital assets, they can invest in, let's say, a friend's company that does that or something like that. But yeah, I mean, it's also a really, really good way to make money, right? It's tax-free. It's in your IRA. It grows until you're 59 and a half, and then you can take the money out. Yeah, like I said, I mean, that's a really another way that, that I see a lot of people sort of investing their money. Is that something that you guys help with for you know entrepreneurs? Or is that something that typically the entrepreneur will have on their own and, and then you help them yeah use some of those tools? We help people with the setup. I mean, when people work in in sort of a traditional job in like a 401k, sort of part of their benefits and sort of like, you know, people just accustomed to to making those contributions. But with entrepreneurs, everyone's so focused again on like the, the sales, the marketing, the offense, that they don't really think about the tax savings and just putting away money uh, towards retirement, right? And so there's a bunch of uh, different type of structures just within investment retiring. So you have sort of uh, like a solo 401k. So if you're sort of like owner operator, you're just the only employee of the, uh, the company, uh, then you can do like a solo 401k. Like a SEP plan is another one. If you're a little bit older, there's something called defined benefit profit sharing plan. And that's sort of based on like actuarial tables. So like the people that are sort of older in their 40s, 50s, 60s, they get to put a lot more away towards their retirement. I've seen clients put away hundreds of thousands of dollars in these retirement plans and save a lot of tax dollars. And yeah, but I mean, that's something we do as far as helping entrepreneurs you know, think through that and, and how much they want to put away towards retirement. And like I said, whether it's in a more traditional IRA or 401k, or if they want to go the self-directed route. Yeah, we also help them think through that. Awesome. So onlinetaxman.com and globalexpertadvisors.com, those are the best places to find you? Yeah, listen, I mean, come, yeah, those are the sites. We have a ton of information, good blog articles, this and that. And 
like I said, I mean, if anyone needs to want a free consultation about doing their taxes, or if they want to, you know, speak with me directly about the structuring, go to go to those sites, and we'd be happy to help people. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for your time and your expertise. Yeah. I know this was kind of like a quick episode, but we did touch on a bunch of elements. I'm going to be adding those links in the show notes and I definitely want to have you in another episode down the road. So thank you so much, man. Thank you.